And we are live. Welcome in, everybody. NFL draft is over. Rookie drafts are finally here. This morning's been overwhelming. Um, everyone's rookie drafts starting up at this time. Uh, just a million notifications on the phone. So we thought today we would jump into this and go through our first variation of these rookie rankings. We're going to go 60 deep for you. I'm just going to brush through them very quickly, and then we'll round this thing out with a rookie draft of our own. We have a full lobby. I just dropped a link in the Discord. Hopefully by the end of these rankings, it will be full. But before we get into it, let's roll the intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I, like, I'm like i in for Death, taxes, and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really... I, had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. All right, another win here. I don't think I need to talk too much on the 101. Bijan Robinson here ended up going top 10 in the NFL draft, eight to Atlanta, a team that is looking to run the ball a whole ton. Uh, receiving upside, of course, with this player. He will be the 101 in almost all of your rookie drafts, but then the draft really gets interesting here at 102. I know a lot of people are excited with Anthony Richardson. He's getting the opportunity to start day one with Indianapolis. So I think Anthony Richardson is a much better bet than he seemed even as far as a week ago. But for me, it is still Bryce Young here as my 102, the player that I have the most confidence in. Um, quarterback we've been excited for for about two years here for the Dynasty community. I'm still locking him in at 102. And I'm following up with the other player I've been excited about for some time, and that's CJ Straub. And I'm going number two. I think it was always smokescreen. I do feel bad for Will Levis and for how the, the league seemed to use him more or less like a pawn um, to prop up and maybe make this Stroud pick go through or to push other teams off the Will Anderson deal that they ended up making. But this is Anthony Richardson for me here at, at 104. Personally, I could even go Jackson Smith and Jigba here, but I think the way the market is going to lean the excitement around Anthony Richardson, this is the decision I'm going to make at 104. If I'm really QB deep, I'm still very excited about Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba. This player I'm going to have here at number five. Where the landing spot is not to tear me off at all. I think Seattle long-term is a very good spot for him to land. It's a spot where he's going to have a lot of opportunity. It's crazy to me that you're going to have him and Lockett capable of lining up all across the formation. Then they still have DK Metcalf on that team. That's phenomenal. That receiving core might be the best in the league when in terms of three deep. Them, Cincinnati, uh, it's 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 really interesting to see. 106, we're going to Jameer Gibbs here. The fact he went 12 in the draft it should erase all concerns we had over Jameer Gibbs. Obviously, he's still that, quote, sub 200-pound back. The last time we see, saw a player go as high as he did at his size was C.J. Spiller. Back in the day, went pick nine to Buffalo. I think with Jameer Gibbs here, we're going to be really excited about a player who should have a pretty confirmed role in an offense that's going to run the ball very effectively and score a lot of touchdowns. I'm very excited for Jameer Gibbs long-term. I'm still going Jasmine Jigba over him just because of how safe I feel JSN is. But Jameer Gibson on your drafts might go as high as 102, and you can completely justify. I think these top six are very, very strong in this class, um, with Jameer Gibbs going top 12. And it turns out a lot of teams had him on their board. So it speaks volumes, especially 12 when they had another pick at 18. So, But moving on, this is where really you might to see people branch out and go in different directions. This for me at 107 is going to be Jordan Addison. I think this is a really exciting landing spot. Um, he's going to be the number two to Justin Jefferson, but we've seen how valuable and and how productive that second role can be in Minnesota. And so with Jordan Addison, who I think is a fine player, a player who I think was always going to settle in kind of as the true number two on an NFL team, upside contingency value if there was an injury. Jordan Addison for me is still this 107. And then it gets interesting. We're going to go with Quentin Johnson here, the most boom-bust player we have in this entire class, especially at the wide receiver position. I think with Quentin Johnson, the landing spot is well, it's where I was expecting him to go, to be honest, but uh, it's really exciting here with Justin Herbert. You could see the ceiling. Obviously, there's things in his game he needs to work on. The short-term Alec might not be fantastic with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen still involved, but Quentin Johnson here is a phenomenal pick. Um, again, a lot of variants here. I would completely understand people who just want to trade out altogether, or they're going to plant their flag here and just really hope that Quentin Johnson works it out. Next, we're going to go for Zay Flowers. 
first round draft capital really told me all I need to know, right? I know Baltimore isn't people's favorite spot, but this is a different team than it was. Um, it's a different team than it even was just a year ago for Baltimore. So what we're really hoping is with new offensive coordinator, Lamar Jackson getting guaranteed long-term, a little bit of ambiguity between how they're going to utilize this wide receiver course that appears to be at least decent with upside, but of course could fall apart. You've got Rashad Bateman, who hasn't been able to stay healthy since entering the league, and OBJ, who, well, hasn't had a string of being healthy for quite a while. So still they flowers here for me. I'm not going to be scared off of this. And for a lot of your leagues, it, it appears like nobody wants – 110. This is really, it really gets kind of gross. Um, I don't love taking tight ends here, but this is the spot we're going to do it. And I know I told everybody I wouldn't be moving off Mayor versus Kincaid. I do think they're pretty interchangeable. With Dalton Kincaid, I think his route to being the number two option on Buffalo is easier than Mayor's route of being the true number two on the Las Vegas Raiders. And we're just talking about the value of these catches. There's We'll have to see how it shakes out with Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro for Michael Myers targets here. I think both are fantastic. Neither of them feel great at the end of the first. We're spending a first round on a tight end. If you have to make the pick, that's where we're at. But again, once 110 to kind of 204, they all feel like mid to late seconds. And then, you know, the late second really all feel like third round picks. The, the draft really seems to fall off at that 109 spot. So take with that what you will. You can jump on our Discord in the description below if you want to talk trades, how we're moving out of it. But right now, this is where we sit. And this equally feels disgusting. I think you could go a whole, all different ways with this pick. We're going to continue to push Will Levis down. We're going to go with Josh Downs. Yes, I know he went a little later than we were expecting. We were expecting him to go in the second round. He ended up going in the third round. I do think the landing spot is interesting. I think he's going to have a role. Uh, that's pretty secured. You see what they're doing. And my favorite part with Josh Downs was his red zone upside. So we're really hoping that's where he connects with Anthony Richardson, the quarter that back they brought in to start on day one. Really hoping Josh Downs can not just be the short yardage guy, but be a go-to in the red zone. Um, we're going to learn real quick. Again, the bet we're taking here on Josh Downs feels disgusting at the 112, but it's the predicament we're in here, right? You got to make a pick. This is where I lean. I think with team need, it comes in a little bit more here where the next run of backs, Kendra Miller, Devin Chain, Zach Charbonnet. And for me, this, this is brutal, right? We're drafting Kendra Miller, who Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara are still there, right? I know there's a path. Kamara obviously is overhanging legal. Jamal has always been more of a short yardage committee type back who's capable of doing everything at a mediocre replacement level, but is very serviceable. So Kendra finds himself in a position where he can get a bigger role, at least claim the first and second round grinder role. But again, at the 201, we're drafting a back who doesn't even have a clear role, and that feels disgusting. Now, Devin A. Chain, he's, the size is still a concern for me. Now, if there's one spot where I feel like he could have landed where he could be used effectively, it's Miami, right? We have Mike McDaniel was able to make Raheem Mostert relevant for several years. Use Jeff Wilson well. And these are replacement level backs. Raheem Mostert, yes, he has elite speed, but he couldn't find his way onto a roster before being tied with Mike Daniel. And again, he's been pretty relevant. So Devin Chain, I think the landing spot was best case on Terra. was pretty exciting. You could probably push him as high as 112, and I wouldn't hate you for it. It just is such a hard pill to swallow taking, yeah, a talented back in his own right but an undersized back here at the 112 it doesn't feel great. But what feels worse is Zach Charbonnet going to what was potentially the worst landing spot that we could have found him in here with Seattle. We knew it. We were joking almost too much with Kenneth Walker that they're going to turn around and spend a day two pick on another back here with Kenneth Walker, a player who I think is capable of playing on every single down. I don't know what, down Zach Charbonnet is going to plug in, or if this is simply like P. Carroll in the past, where this is going to be more of like a 60-40 split, to which he has basically no fantasy relevance. He's strictly contingent value here unless Kenneth Walker gets injured. That's really tough. We're taking basically glorified handcuffs here at the 203. 
that's that's really tough. Detman, it's good to see you in here. Toronto Dave, it is rookie draft season. We got in here 24 first and second or 106. We're taking the 106 there on that for sure. Uh, I think where you can really think about moving out for a first and a second is potentially at 107 or later in our Superflex leagues here. I'm assuming Superflex with this question. 109 or 110, really 110 to 112. We can move over for a 24 first and a second. I think that is like a slam dunk deal. Uh, anything above that, I feel like it's fine for 107 through 109. If you love a player there, I might just make the pick, but I'm cool re-rolling into the 24 first in a second. But these top six picks, it's too light. I have a lot more confidence. Again, Jameer Gibbs went top 12. Jackson Jigba, I think, playing in a fantastic spot. Still went first round. Anthony Richardson, CJ Shaw, Bryce Young, all going to start on day one, all drafted top four. And the Bijan ended up as a running back going top 10 to a run-heavy team. So with these top six picks, um, I'm holding on for I need at least – another first on top of what they're offering for you before I'm even considering that type of a deal. Now, thank you guys for sticking with me on this. We're going to try to plug. I'm going to try to run through this as quick as we can. Um, Headers a little bit today. As I said, woke up. Um, phone is overwhelmed, very overwhelmed. I'm a little slow getting to all the things I need to do today, but I'm excited to be here for you guys and to move on and to finally draft Will Levis, the quarterback. Again, I think you can take as early as 112. It feels disgusting. We're talking about a day two quarterback. No guarantee to start. But with Tennessee, this is a team that was always looking to find another competition next to Ryan Tano. They took a day two stop last year. Malik Willis didn't quite work out the way we were hoping. I think Will Levis is a better bet than Malik Willis, but we have our concerns with Will Levis. We were saying how he fell a lot under the bracket of the worst parts of Baker Mayfield's game. He kind of re was reminiscent of the Zach Wilson, Sean Manziel, where if he was able to put it together in the correct system, I think there's a way for Will Levis to be good for fantasy football and to survive in the NFL. But without that, I'm worried he's going to be getting swallowed up by lines. I'm worried that he doesn't have what it takes to step up at the next level. That's why here, without our team needs, he's sliding all the way back here to 204 for me. It's more a bet on the draft capital and that I don't necessarily believe in Will Levis's talent. Now, moving back here, it gets disgusting. If you thought me saying to take a quarterback, or sorry, to take a tight end at 110-111 felt disgusting, this is where I end up having Sam Laporta, who landed. I wanted to see a tight end come into Detroit. I wanted to see it go day two. Well, I didn't expect Sam Laporta to be the second tight end off the board to get top 40 draft capital. This is exciting. This is disappointing though, because if you looked and you went through our tight end rankings pre-draft, he was our tight end three pre-draft. We got that one correctly, but he went higher still than I anticipated. He was going in the fourth round ADP. His mode was in the third round. There's no way you're getting third round Laporta now. The value is gone. 205, again, spending this on a tight end does not feel great, but I'm comfortable rolling anywhere from the mid to late second on a tight end. I think as good as a stab as anyone to slide in and up being a back end tight end one for us. I don't know if it's going to be right away. It's always hard to make that bet with tight ends, but Sam Laporta is exciting. He breaks tackles. He makes big plays. Again, reception leader, yak leader for Iowa, which is pronounced as tight end university here. So, Sam Laporta, he's sliding in as my 205. It doesn't feel like a great value, but again, it's just how this thing is falling. And we're going to come back here with the Blitzenkopf winner. I am going to slide Jalen Hyatt in here. I think we saw the role, the path to success here, where Isaiah Hodgins in the back half of last season was a wide receiver too. I think that's the role that Hyatt's going to step into. I have confidence in Brian Dable and the way he sets players up to be used to the best of their abilities. I don't think Jalen Hyde's a fantastic football player. I think he's a little one-dimensional. But, again, he looked good at stretches of his last year there with Tennessee. And I think this was one of the better landing spots, of course. It was later than we were expecting. I thought there was legitimacy to Jalen Hyatt seeking it at the end of the first, if not right at the beginning of the second round, similar to the way Christian Watson did last year. But he didn't. He fell back even further. And it doesn't feel as good. I think 206 here is okay. I think he's in a range of players that goes back as far as maybe the 301, 302. So I think that's where Jalen Hyatt goes. And he's been sliding in a lot of drafts. So if he is end up in the third round for you, I do think it could end up being a value similar to the way a player like Kadarius Tony was a couple of years ago. Although, you know, Kadarius Tony had that first round draft capital that Jalen Hyatt absolutely does not. But it's an interesting landing spot. It's one that doesn't completely chalk him off my board. And now we're moving forward here to a player. I really like the player. I really like what he has to offer see the immediate path to success unless you think that Denver is going to take a big leap forward 
which they could. Sean Payton coming in, Russell Wilson second year in the system. I think it depends what we make of this wide receiver room. I think this is a destined since Decadia Hamler. We're going to see if Tim Patrick has anything back to come back. Of course, the role he's playing as is more than that Hamler. But we do know with Jerry Judy, Cortland's still there. It's always been tough for this team to really get the volume for wide receivers to succeed when everybody there is healthy. So with Marvin Mims, I don't see the immediate route to a successful spot. And when you're taking him in the second, it's really tough because he doesn't do anything as a rookie. You're not going to really be able to cash out for more than a late second, early third. So I think here with Marvin Mims, it could have been worse for him, but this is where he slides for me. At least he ended up going on the edge of two. I think that's great for him. And next to coming in here for a player, Roshan Johnson, who we thought would go day two. He did. He ended up on the Chicago Bears, which is an interesting spot. Of course, they have Khalil Herbert. They signed Deonta Foreman to nothing. This is pretty ambiguous. We're buying into that ambiguity here with the Chicago Bears. Khalil Herbert, as much as everyone's announced him, is the next Himothy. There is no guarantee that he takes that leap. He steps into that role. He doesn't increase from that 30 to 40% snaps that he had last year. And Roshan here with his size, his ability to do, I think, everything across the board. I don't think he's a fantastic pass catcher, but look at who he is competing with, with Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman. I see the path there. Of course, Deonta Foreman could be the thorn in the side, but the money is so insignificant for him that I'm comfortable taking this bet on Roshan Johnson, especially if he slides into the third round of your rookie drafts. Again, taking a contingency value back, committee back in the late second, mid to late second does not feel great, but that's just where we are with this draft class. It's what we have to do. The next player is Jaden Reed, who I was really excited about pre-draft. He was kind of my sleeper here pick in the third round. Unfortunately, with where he landed and where he got drafted, fantastic. He went day two is to Green Bay. I think this is a really interesting landing spot. It's not exactly the type of wide receiver I thought that they would go for. They double-tap tight end position later than I expected, but I guess it's just a Green Bay thing where they don't spend top draft capital, premium draft capital on these offensive position players. We'll see how it works out for him. But Jaden Reed here, I think, is a very exciting player. He can do a lot across the board for this team. And I'll be very curious how they use him and how this offense looks with Jordan Love next year. And speaking of players that a lot of people were hiding that's flown up boards is Jonathan Mingo here, which what pick 35, 36, wherever he went, it was very early. I was very surprised to see this pick. Of course, there was a lot of buzz pre-draft that he was going to go as early as the second round. And turns out there was legitimacy to that. So Carolina really claimed to themselves, I think there is a clear path to good target share in that offense. DJ Chark, I think is, again, I think he's still worth the ad. I think Adam Thielen will have his role, but you got to think that that's short term. I think it's really exciting here for Jonathan Mingo with the landing spot. And I can understand why people are excited to take this player. For me, I'm just not doing it before the late second. I think I've seen him slide into the one-two turn in a lot of drafts. And it just feels a little early for the type of prospect, a later player that, you know, we have here. But the size is good. Ole Miss's track record is good. So we'll see how Jonathan Minga does. He got the draft capital. I think 210 is a very good spot for him. The next player we're going here is going to be Hendon Hooker for me, which is a, a, I had a really hard time ranking this player. I'll be completely honest. I just drafted him at the 214 in a 14 teamer league. So a little past this spot. Uh, super flex. Again, this is just because of the quarterback position. It's importance for super flex here with Hendon Hooker. I don't, no, if he's ever really going to get the chance coming off the ACL, he's a little older. If Jared Goff's playing well, I'm not sure he gets that spot. They could extend Jared Goff, and that would be death here to Hendon Hooker. We made this bet with Matt Corral last year, kind of similar, where it's a player we liked. He could have gone day one. He didn't. He slid into day three. He had a landing spot where, well, after next year, he could potentially come in and compete for this role. So this is a pick. That is a true dart. If he ends up getting a starting opportunity, your ROI is significant in a way that the other players in this range probably cannot offer you. But at the same time, he gives you literally nothing until he capitalizes on that ROI, which could also never come. So this is a really tough player to rank. Just know the risk that you're either going to basically double your investment or go to zero. So this one is for you crypto nerds. Next up, we have... Tajay Spears, which the news coming out post draft is that he like basically doesn't have an ACL, uh, which is very concerning for his long term outlook here, especially when you consider the first two years are probably with Derrick Henry. 
without injury, it's tough to see Tajay Spears having any relevance. This is a pure handcuff type back for him, but I think Spears is a very talented player. I think he was capable, and he showed it to Lane of being a true workhorse if needed. And if Derek Henry were to get traded or get injured, I think Taji Spears would shoot up in value. So this is a player that people will be very excited about in the event that that happens, but it's contingency value. It's tough taking him earlier than the 2-3 turn for me when you are talking strictly contingent value, which is the story for a lot of these backs. The next one being Tank Bigsby for me, where, again, it's contingency value, but I do think... Unlike Spears, he's going to have a little bit of a role next to Travis Etienne where they were missing kind of that bruiser, uh, a player who could take a little bit of the workload off of Etienne, allow Etienne to be more efficient and less touches. And then Tank Bigsby is that player. Rest in peace, Dearness Johnson and Snoop Connor, who now have no path to that RB2 position as the big boy behind Travis Etienne. But now this is Tank Bigsby. It's a good landing spot for real football. He got the day two draft capital as well. But for fantasy, it's hard to see elite output from Tank Bigsby, a back a lot of people were really excited on. It's high as kind of the late first, early second pre-draft. And this is where Tank Bigsby is now. People are going to hate me. I'm going to continue to go with these contingency backs here. I think with Chase Brown, he offers athleticism. I think he offers upside. I think he can play every bit of the game here for Cincinnati if they were to move on from Joe Mixon, which this could surprise us in a way similar to where the Jacksonville Jaguars moved off of Leonard Fournette a couple years back. Chase Brown would end up a huge, huge value. So I am excited with this Cincinnati landing spot. I think in the third round where you're getting Chase Brown, it has some appeal to me. And so that's why I have him ranked here. Now the next group of players, people are not going to be happy that I have them this low. Rashi Rice. This is where I had him pre-draft. This is where I have him post-draft. Now, my question for people who are jumping Rashi Rice as early as I've seen him go like 108, 109. Why was he the biggest, one of the biggest fallers in the three weeks leading up to the draft? Ask yourself, why was he kind of the unanimous player to fade pre-draft? And why is he shooting up almost two rounds since? Because of Kansas City landing spot. We did this last year in a way where, you know, Sky Moore flew up as far as the 108 because Kansas City, who do they have? Look at the depth chart, sure. But with Rashi Rice, I still have the same concerns about his true full route tree. He's painted as this route runner, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case here for Rashi Rice. He was a good deep target in college last year in his last season with SMU. Again, it's SMU. We'll see what kind of a role he plays for Kansas City. I don't know if he could end up coming and being used across the formation or if he's going to be delegated to just kind of a better MVS in the, for their hopes. This is a tough player for me to take much higher than the 2-3 turn. I think it's fine if you take a late second on Rashi Rice. I don't think there's a huge gap here between Rashi Rice or even where we're taking Roshan Johnson. So I think you could squeeze him as high up as 208, which I'd be content with. But for me, I have him sliding in here right before another player. Cedric Tillman, who snuck into day two, he's got good size, one of the better size backs. I think he complements with Amari Cooper very well, especially when they have Elijah Moore coming in to be the kind of more speedy player, the slot player. This is an interesting landing spot for me. I just don't know with Cedric Tillman if he'll immediately have an impact or just how good he is. I like the player just fine. I thought pre-draft, I kind of comped into a budget Cortland Sutton, which a lot of people seem to be on board with. And that's a good partner here for Amari Cooper with Deshaun Watson tied to a good quarterback for a long time. But the track record of wide receivers in the past few drafts taken in round three is pretty dire. So I wouldn't hold out for Cedric Tillman more than like maybe a 20% hit rate or probably much less than that. So with Cedric Tillman here, I'm taking him 304, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm going to follow it up here with Luke Musgrave, a player that I think is interchangeable with Tillman. I have those two really tough. I just had to decide between the two in that 14-teamer where the draft just occurred. And I ended up going Tillman, but I don't hate it with Musgrave. My problem with Musgrave is I wasn't sold necessarily on him as a true receiving-capable tight end pre-draft, but the athleticism is was solid, good, not great. Um, he's a player who didn't play a whole lot in college, so I don't necessarily know certain aspects of his game. This is a good dart throw. He got the draft capital really, really high, and it was the best landing spot for tight ends. Now, they followed it up with another tight end, which could could end up being a wet blanket here, similar to 
some other situations we've seen in the past where a team double taps tight end with both good draft capital. And we just kind of have to figure out which one is going to be blocking and which one's going to be out there playing big slot. So with Musgrave, if we knew that what role he had in that tight end room versus the other tight end who landed there, you see Tucker Craft, also a athletic, but some question marks, not a great uh, size there with where he's playing college against basically D2 talent. I'm not sure who's going to play what role. So with Musgrave, I haven't slid back a little bit because of that. 306 here, I think I'm going with, he might be a little further down. I'm going to go with Michael Wilson here. I think Wilson is a an underrated player who comes onto a team in Arizona where he absolutely can come in and win uh, win a role, play right, right away. Next side, Hollywood Brown kind of be like a next variation of Christian Kirk for them. I think this is a, one of the better landing spots. You got good draft capital. Uh, with Michael Wilson, I'm excited to take him in what should be a lot of the late thirds of your drafts and kind of see how this plays out in Arizona. I don't have a lot of faith in Rondell Moore long-term, although there are still believers. Rondell Moore also doesn't really affect what my, Michael Wilson offers with his team. And let's not forget, I know they still have DeAndre Hopkins. We don't know if he's going to get moved, but I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is the long-term threat here as well as Marcus Howard Brown, as much as I love him, he still needs to get that extension before we know exactly what he's going to be long-term for them, his next one. So we'll see what it means for him. The next player I'm going to go with is Kayshawn Booty. Terrible draft capital. Sixth round, we knew that he might fall. We didn't know it necessarily be this far back. And New England got handed a gift. This is just in the sixth round, a type of pick that people will give away for literally nothing. This is a great pick for them. I think with Keishon Booty, there is a clear route. I mean, he's fighting with Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker, if he's still alive, uh, Kendrick Bourne. Like, the route here for Booty to have a significant role and win a significant role next side, Juju Smith-Schuster, is fantastic. Um off the off the field issues, concerns with Booty, obviously the athleticism testing didn't come back nearly the way we thought. It could always be, of course, with his health, his confidence on that angle, on that ankle, and that's what you're leaning into when you take him here in the third round. I think it's a very interesting pick. And another player who was a Devi darling who completely fell off was Zach Evans, which pains me to have him here back. Our pre-draft RB3, a player that a lot of people were in on the talent. Obviously, he weighed in lighter than we were expected and then didn't necessarily run off that. So they were confused based on his size for the NFL, but he finds himself on the Rams, a team where I don't necessarily have the belief in K-makers that others do. I don't think he's a barrier to entry. Now, Zach Evans could end up being a nothing, but at minimum, I think he has a clear route to being the secondary back for that team. And we haven't seen a sustained stretch from K-makers where he gives us consistent production by sustained stretch. I mean, greater than six game sample especially since the Achilles injury. So it'll be very interesting to see how he fits in that role for a team that is not afraid to roll with a hot hand. I think it's a good landing spot for Zach Evans. He's got to get his shit together and he's got to show and prove everyone wrong and why he shouldn't have gone, what, round six where he went. You got to come in and hear flowers might lead these requests and targets. Trading back is the move. Of course, I agree with you. Always trading back is the move. But for me, Zay Flowers, I think I'm very confident with selecting him at 109. Uh, I had a draft where I had the 109. I'm like, I guess my job is easy to take whatever wide receiver from the secondary tier that is left. And that was Zay Flowers for me. I agree with you. He might lead them. It's, it's a tall ask, but with these landing spots, that it very much could happen. He could right away be the best wide receiver on that Baltimore roster. I think all three could end up showing us the best wide receiver on that roster, which is very interesting. We're going to move 309 here, and I'm going to put our dog, our RB6 pre-draft. Unfortunately, this landing spot could not be dirtier for him with Brees Hall, obviously on the team. I think the dream for Israel Benaconda to be a really meaningful fantasy back is almost gone, which is unfortunate. It's contingent value. But I think in the event, Brees Hall were to, I don't know, tear his ACL. I think Israel Benaconda is the clear player in this roster to step in and play as close to the Brees role as you can. We saw Bam's on of a night try to fill that role last year. And he did okay, and he was serviceable. But I think Israel Vanaconda is a better player. He has better speed. He's got better size. Um, and it's disappointing because his testing was like comparable to that of a pre-saw. I was really hoping that Vanaconda found his way at the end of the third round or early fourth round to Atlanta. It didn't happen. We ended up getting it to the Jets again on day three. Not ideal, but 
continue to see values here for Obanaconda. We'll see if Brees Hall starts slow or what the Jets are doing next year. We're going to come here to the tight end position. It gets really gross. I'm going to put Luke Schoomaker just because I think with Dallas, there's a role there for grabs, of course, with Dalton Schultz leaving. Uh, Schoomaker was, again, one of the more athletic tight ends in this class. A lot to be desired on film. But I think he is a step up from Jake Ferguson and Payne Hendershot, the other tight ends in this room for a team that historically has utilized the tight end pretty darn well. And I think Dallas might take a step back in terms of offensive numbers next year with the McCarthy system versus the Kellen Moore system. But again, we're, we're shooting for upside here. I think taking any of these tight ends as taxes, quad stashes this late is a fine bet. Next player I'm going with here is going to be way down the board. Um, Going to take Tank Dell, and this isn't landing spot thing. I think with Tank Dell, he was an exciting player. He's used a lot in Houston in college, and he played very, very well, but then comes to the combine. He's not as electric as he looked on the field. 5'8", 165. I think that's being generous. He looks far in that. We'll see how that transitions to the NFL. But with Houston, with their rookie quarterback, I think Tank Dell has the opportunity to win a job. No one there has proven. I don't believe in Nico Collins at all. We don't even know if John Mechie is going to be a factor coming in and them spending up here and grabbing in two wide receivers to come into this team in this rookie class. I think speaks a lot of volumes, but the one I'm primarily interested in is Tank Dell here. I'm going to make the same comment for Xavier Hutchinson whenever he pops up in our rankings here. 312, this is a little bit of take lock. This is probably as high as I could probably tell you to take this player. Uh, yeah, my before in pre-draft, Sean Tucker. Now I am going to stick to it and say that Sean Tucker has fallen and went undrafted strictly because of the medical. I don't think teams are messing around with heart issues, which seems to be what we had here for Sean Tucker. Teams were buying into his uh, filmed on an iPhone <laughs> type combine he had. But with Sean Tucker, it's reported he's signing with Tampa Bay. And I think there's a clear route to the backup contingency role maybe he gets some touches and could end up being a little bit more than that but for now this is worse for sean tucker we don't even know if he's gonna make the team but at this territory of the draft for strictly shooting upside i still believe in the town for sean tucker if medical gets clear he's healthy i think this could end up being a really good pick um and we are pounding the drum pre-draft i will say with zach evans and sean tucker saying they are there as de facto i think the talent it's going to be all to really the landing spot draft capital with those backs how we end up ranking this whole group and we said that they could fall as far back is into the third and here they are in the third it's unfortunate but this is where we are now we're going to keep hammering these contingency backs evan hole and i think evan hole is the very clear backup back here for Indianapolis in the events of the campus of Jonathan Taylor. I think Evan Holen, he showed in college with his production and his work horse role that he's capable of stepping in and doing a bit of everything. He's got good size, good speed, comparable on his size and speed to a player like Bijan. So obviously the talent isn't nearly quite there, but this is a player where if something were to happen to the starter, I think he can step in and give us some value. These are the players we're looking for in the fourth round with our running backs. We're just looking for backs that are capable of stepping up in the event of injury. Now we're going to get fired up on our run of tight ends, our taxi stashes. I'm going to start off with Will Mallory. Good landing spot. In my opinion, of course, they have a whole slew of these young guys where every time they got drafted, I like the landing spot. He's can do a little bit of everything. He's athletic. I think he's a better football player than Jelani Woods, but Jelani Woods, they just drafted a year ago, athletic tight end. Right before that, they had Kylan Granson, Moali Cox. I don't even know if he's still on the roster move for next year. So it is a clogged room with a rookie quarterback, but I'm going to lean here with this new kind of regime, this new era in Indianapolis, and I'm not going to hold on to any priors, and I'm going to take Will Maurer here based off I like the player coming in as a prospect, and I think in the fourth round, I'm going to be comfortable stashing with my taxis and seeing if he can win this tight end job here for Indianapolis. The next player, which we already touched on a little bit earlier, I'm going to go with Tucker Craft because of what we were saying with Luke Musgrave. We don't know if Luke Musgrave is going to get delegated to being kind of the secondary tight end, and Craft is going to be more the pass catcher or vice versa. We don't really necessarily always know when teams stab two last year is an example we had isaiah likely and charlie kolar both get drafted by baltimore well kolar went first and he ended up being more the past career a couple years ago in new england when they took devin asiasi and dalton keen of course neither one ended up being relevant mark andrews class with him and um our boy who left cincinnati um uh He's on the Bengals now. 
uh, Hayden Hurst. Jeez, I apologize, guys. My experience fried here. But again, we don't always necessarily know who's going to be the pass catcher. So I think Tucker Craft, based on his athleticism, I'm going to take him here in the fourth and stash him in the taxi and wait and see. Now, the next tight end we have. <sighs> Darn, I watched him. This was always a possibility. We talked about it. We had him as our tight end five pre-draft because of this exact thing. A lot of managers, but a lot of Debbie people were excited about what he could do, not with Brock Bowers on the team, not as the, the blocking tight end. What could happen? The one-handed catch of the combine. If this player got a pass catching on well, guys, we will not see that in Pittsburgh. Uh, this opens up Pat Fryermuth to be strictly a pass catcher for that team, which I think this is more of a boost to Pat Frymuth. With people seeing Darnell as a threat to Pat Frymuth, I'm buying Pat Frymuth. Darnell Washington is like a sixth lineman. He's a huge man. And when he was coming to college, he was recommended that he became a lineman. So we'll see how he is used by Pittsburgh. We'll see if um, Tomlin can really get the best out of Darnell, but he's nothing more than a tacky stash here. And I'm not convinced that he's ever going to really end up in a pass catcher. Unfortunately, very unfortunate. Next, we're going to go with Dwayne McBride again, day three. He went so, so late, but with Minnesota, we still don't have clarity on Dalvin cook. So this is strictly a play where if Dalvin cook were to get moved, I think, Alexander Madison would have a significant role, but I would not put it past William McBride, who was one of the more effective first, second round pounders last year to step in and play some bit of a role for Minnesota. Kenny and Wong Wu is not, not uh, a concern for me. So with McBride here, again, we are strictly in contingent territory. We're going to follow it up with another one. Eric Gray, the player who I think will be the handcuff here to Saquon Barkley, who has not extended. So this could potentially be a situation where he steps in and plays well. A lot of Debbie darling, a lot of Debbie players had this guy as their darling, uh, Eric Gray, Oklahoma. So we'll see where Eric Gray, how he does, how he fares. But I think he would be the lead candidate for the backup role here for Brian Dables, Giants. Next, we'll go with Tower Scott. It's... um. Interesting Linux spot. I mean, he's got good speed. Um, the offense hopefully could take a step up this year. I think it's really, really clogged, so it's tough exactly to see um, where his immediate route to touches is. But this is a player, I think, was overlooked at times. He stays relatively local, good speed. Uh, we like Tower Scott, elite first name, as we say here, for our boy Tower Ginsky at JWB. But this is a gross part of draft. These late fours were pretty much past all the backs I think have true backup capabilities here. So we're just going to keep the hammer. The wide receivers here who fell in either juicy landing spots or got the draft cover. We go with Trey Tucker kind of the next. It's a player who was not on a lot of people's radar coming out of Cincinnati. We're just kind of double tapping uh, these Cincinnati wide receivers. Here. I think they were both capable and both good players. No Tucker, uh, he got very interesting landing spot. I think he'll play kind of they, they don't have what he offers here for Vegas in that wide receiver room. So I'll be curious to see how he's utilized. I just don't know how it's going to translate for fantasy. He's probably just a taxi squad squad stash. Wait, see early cut candidate for next year for your teams. We'll see though. Next one with Parker Washington, an interesting landing spot here for Jacksonville. The wide receiver room is very, very full. It's tough to see him even stepping over. So wide receiver three versus like a Zay Jones who got paid last year. But Parker Washington as a little wide receiver, good proven track record out of Penn State is the type of wide receiver here, 5'10", 215, where he can do a little bit of everything for this team and earn his way higher. Again, same thing we were saying with Scott and Tucker, probably a taxi squash wait first year cut candidate early next year. If he does literally nothing as a rookie, we'll wait and see. The next one I'm going here is Clayton too. Not a not a quarterback I expected to be ahead, taken ahead of a lot of these other names, but he falls in Arizona, the team where if he beats out Colt McCoy, might start us half the season, if not to a full season. You're getting that in the fourth. You take two now at the 410, and he ends up winning the backup role, aka starting half a season for the Cardinals. You're gonna be able to trade him for a second. So this is an ROI play in your Superflex leagues. That's why I'm taking two here. It's not a belief in the player, but I think even more than maybe as early as the late third has the best path to ROI for you as return on your investment. So Clay Toon is very interesting. Now we're going to do a, the fun pick for Dallas. His father works with the organization, called him personally, heartwarming. Deuce Vaughn 
production god. His college production is gnarly, but he's five foot one, uh, ninety seven pounds. The size might not translate to the NFL, but what he is capable of next to Tony Pollard is exciting. Hopefully, he gets some touches. I absolutely would not rule out a player like Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette signing with the Dallas Cowboys within the next month. So it could be a wet blanket. Dude's fun. I'm not taking the fun little pick there on him, pun intended, before like the late fourth. So we are going to follow it up here. Another quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, strictly because I think he will win the backup role for Cleveland, who just let Cobra set walk. They don't believe in Kellen Mond in the slightest. I know there were a couple other candidates there to sign as the backup, and they could win it over Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But I think a lot of teams actually liked this guy to offer. They took him in the fourth round. It's not like he was the latest stab they had. I think it worse hands up on their practice squad. Maybe somebody picks him up if they also like him. But Behind Deshaun Watson, if anything were to pop up, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, I suppose, based on what we've gotten the last two years, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson is a very capable backup quarterback. I think he's a player who's just going to sit on the end of your Superflex rosters in deep leagues for a while. Now, if you have a more shallow league, I'm probably not taking Dorian Thompson Robinson at all. I'm not taking any of the quarterbacks past tune here uh, for your teams. But we'll run through the fifth really, really quick. Because I just want to give a little more depth in case some of these players are curious. Xavier Hutchinson, as I said, the whole Houston room is not proven. So we don't necessarily know um, if he can step in. But I liked the player pre-draft, Iowa State. Next, we're going to do Tavian Wicks, older older player here. Um, sorry, and going to a crowded room again. I'm um, just hoping he can beat. I don't have a whole lot of belief in Romeo Dobbs. They, they double-tap wide receiver here in the draft. Um Milek isn't that high, but I think Wicks is could win the wide receiver three role on that team. That's just why he's stepping up over other names here. A player you could just take, you could take higher. I'm gonna go with Pukanaka here, who with the Rams, it is an, an exciting landing spot strictly because they just moved off Allen Robinson. I don't believe in um the second Van Jefferson that they have there. I don't believe in Lance McCutcheon. I don't believe in Ben Skoranek. So I think he could step up into a role. The next player I have here who might slip off everyone's board is Andre Iasivas uh, at a, Princeton, who was very exciting, older prospect, but good size, good speed. He could be a fun, deep target, big boy target here for uh, Cincinnati, especially with uncertainty of T. Higgins long-term. So just, again, it's a fifth-round dart we're taking here. And the next player we're taking here at the landing spot, I kind of hate it for him. We're going to go with Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. A wide receiver who was rumored to switch to tight end. So that is where, if you want to get ahead of the game, he might become a tight end here and go be your taxi squad stash. You know how much we love stashing our tight ends on the taxi because we don't have to burn a roster out when we call him up. But with Miami, they want a guy who can block but also get the pass-catching role. And I really wanted him to land somewhere as an undersized tight end where he would get to be a pass catcher right off the bat. So next, we're going to go for... Charlie Jones, another Cincinnati, but again, it's just the ambiguity with Boyd and Higgins both up for contract. I think he's a fine wide receiver, and he got drafted a little higher than I thought at 131, so we will see. Out of Purdue, a lot of people liked him in their project process. He got the draft capital, although not fantastic. None of these wide receivers passed even uh, basically where we had Rashi Rice, Tillman maybe, Wilson maybe, where the draft capital is just, it, it's it's pretty insignificant. We're going to go with our guy, A.T. Perry here, elite last name. Shout out Jake Perry with the J2B crew. Uh, good size speed um, with A.T. Perry. I know a lot of people were excited Rashid Shahid. Potentially, there's no role for him here. I think Michael Thomas stays. They made that decision financially. Chris Olave plays all over. But A.T. Perry, one of the only true big boys here with the team. And if he finds himself with a useful role with his team more useful than a player like Rashid Shahid, or they're just alternating. Potentially, there's something there. Again, fifth round darts. Next player we're going here, I'm going to go with Justin Shorter. Not my favorite landing spot for this player. They did need another wide receiver. He's big. This could end up being, again, very different to a player like Marcus Stevenson, who you would maybe take in the fifth round of your rookie drafts two years ago. But he's kind of like an Isaiah Hodgins. Ooh. Kind of like an Isaiah Hodgins that we were taking just a couple years ago in this spot, and he never broke into the Buffalo squad. So unfortunately, I'm not holding my breath that Justin Shorter really even gets a fair stab. But if he does, something there. Maybe long-term play if he isn't tagged it for a while, knowing you have 
your players on there. But we're going to go Darius Davis here, 509. He's going to be kind of like that. They were really missing kind of their guys, Johnson, Guyton, to play the deep role for them last year. He's a speedy player. He can be kind of that just pure speed, go get him. Now with Quentin Johnson, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I don't know if he's going to have any route to immediate thing, but he's going to offer this, some, this team something in real life. And then long-term, we don't know what's going on with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. So it could be something there. Again, we're in the fifth round. Talking fifth round, we're just going to take Stetson Bennett. Matthew Stafford hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, he's older. They use a draft pick on him higher than a lot of the fans were hoping for. Since the bet, people were thinking maybe around six, seven. Um, but he found himself in a spot where he's winning the backup job. He's winning the backup job. I don't think Hopkins, they really, or sorry, Bryson, they really loved last year when he stepped in. So curious. Next player here, the athlete, best rascal we've ever seen, Zach Coons. Well, can he play football? I don't know. He'll have to beat out Jeremy Rucker. Uh, I don't even know if. Kenny Yaboa is even there anymore, but a lot of these guys find their way basically undrafted um, to the Jets. They love to kind of roll the practice squad of these athletic guys. Hopefully you can win a job um, there with Aaron Rodgers. Potentially there's something. Fifth round, of course. We're going to round it out. Last player here we're going to take is Jaron Hall. Again, we just don't necessarily know what is going on with – we don't know what's going on with um, – for Cousins long-term, so yeah, it's a dart. It's the fifth round. We're going to switch over here. Sorry that the energy is down a little bit today, guys, but we are going to start up a rookie draft, which is exciting. Now that we have that put into place, we can kick things off. Hopefully, I'm going to give everyone about 30 seconds to pile into this room. Hopefully, now we can take... Our rookie rankings go across these drafts. If you guys have any questions in the chat or you're on the clock in any spots, ask. We can go through it. Or if you disagree with any of these, let me know why. Again, this is the first. I can definitely be swayed, but this is where I landed. It feels disgusting, but I'm pretty confident, especially in the Rangers. I have all these players. Apologies. Uh, you know, on the board right now. All right, guys. We are going to start this thing. There we go. So... Minute clock, 60 seconds. Um, Bijan Robinson, I'm just going to set him. I feel like I should be tempted to set him right now, but we'll we'll give our, our guy Anders here a second to get his pick in. This is a good time. I will field any questions or I'll pull out. We had a bunch in our Discord you can find in the description from last week while the draft was going on. So going through them, one of the first questions we had, Richardson quarterback one. I think we talked about it. I think the upside is better than potentially anyone else, but I'm just so confident in Bryce Young. It's kind of my clear number two here. And with CJ Stroud getting second in the draft, they love him too. I Houston is a tough landing spot, but for me, it's always been these two. And that's where I'm going. So Anthony Richardson, I think one of four is the conversation starter. Him or JSN, it really depends what you need. But I understand the pick at 102. So that's where we land. The next question is, why did the line say Gibbs at 12? It turns out a lot of people had. Yeah, running the clock at 101. Yeah, I know. Uh, tough there. The Lions, they were really excited. And it turns out a lot of people had Jameer Gibbs on their draft board. Uh, the majority of the league had him there in the first round. So they weren't confident that he'd slide back when they picked at 18. Nevertheless, you know, so they took him at 12. Um, Swift got traded right after. I think they'll be very happy to get a fourth out of that. They're kind of resetting the clock there. Uh, it's a very good committee there. Really good combo with him and David Montgomery. So they're, I think they're very excited. You saw the way they were celebrating. That's why they went there at 12. Do I think taking a running back and a linebacker at 12 and 18 is the best move, the sharpest moves? No, if they hit, they hit. Um, I, yeah, I guess we're going to have to look back. We're going to look back on that one for sure. I think the consensus is not a unique take to say, what are they doing? What are what were the lines doing? They redeemed it. I like some of their later picks, but that's where we are at on those guys. Uh, Ronnie, 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 who are you taking here? Follow up. So we got 110, 112. Any chance to com combine them and trade up? 
or would you trade down on both? Does it change if a tight end is needed? I hate drafting for needs, especially these tight ends. You could try to take 110 and 112 to move into the top six. I'm very, very cool with that type of deal here for you. Um, but yeah, trading down, if you're looking for a tight end, I don't think you can trade far down too much to get them. Um, I'd almost be rather to trade out. Like earlier, somebody was asking a 24 first and a second. I would smash that over this options here. 110, 112. If you're on the clock, for me, it's going to end up being Kincaid and Mayer. If you're forced to pick, follow up. Detroit wanted Gibbs. Why not Bijan at six? Oh, it's aggressive. It's aggressive. It really is aggressive. They wanted to go corner. They believed in Weatherspoon. That's the player that they went with. I don't think you can really complain about the pick. I do agree with you. If they wanted running back, I think they really liked what Jameer Gibbs offered in a committee with Bijan, where or with Dave Montgomery, whereas Bijan would be a clear kind of just take over, eat the whole thing. So I think they were preferring, at least on their board, Weatherspoon and Gibbs as opposed to Bijan and Gonzalez. Gonzalez probably would have been the next corner, which again, a lot of people might have preferred Bijan and Gonzalez, which Gonzalez, oh my gosh, falling all the way to 17. New England wanted this player, traded out of 14, which was a good move for Pittsburgh, by the way, getting Skronsky, getting uh, one of the last true uh, linemen in this class at that spot. Good move for Pittsburgh, but New England being able to trade back three spots, pick up a late pick, and still get the guy that could have gone top 10 that they wanted the whole time disgust me but that that would be my answer to this follow-up why not right uh let's see let's follow up a couple of the next questions here what's your favorite wide receiver two after these landing spots it's still jordan addison for me as the the player i believed in the player the most pre-draft Quentin Johnson, we talked about when we went through the rookie rankings a little bit earlier, is the risky play. The risky play, the boom bust. I think he could be the best in the class. I think he could really fall off after a year or two. So, and Zay Flowers, Baltimore, again, I said, I don't know if he's going to be the best in the room right away. Um, he could be, but I like Zay Flowers a lot. 109, I'm comfortable with Jordan as my first thing as a second wide receiver in the team with Justin Jefferson. He's going to get a lot of easy looks. He's not going to get pushed off. My problem is if he went for number one, when you went back and watched him in college, it was a legitimate problem with the size because there were a lot of routes where he was just getting pushed off right at the get, right at the gun. And it was, it was really hurting him. And that was my concern at the next level is if he was the number one and he was getting press coverage or he was kind of getting double the attention, I just didn't know physically he'd be able to overcome it right away. Where now with Justin Jefferson, he's not going to get that. And it's going to allow him to, he could always bulk up, but perfect his game uh, to the point where he does what he's good at and he's going to do it very well. So I'm really excited for Jordan Addison, where I still think he offers a lot of wide receiver two, three seasons, even with Jefferson there. Um, it's potentially the safer pick. I think it's risk tolerance is a big factor between him or Johnston. Uh, but for me, it's Jordan Addison. I really like the player and, especially for real football, I really like the landing spot. So that's kind of where we fell on that one. Next question was, let's see, best landing spot for Swift. That was, okay, of course, he landed in Philadelphia. We'll talk on the Digest today, which comes out tomorrow. We're going to be talking DeAndre Swift. So I'm going to get really deep on him. going to avoid anything with this. Um, are people going to start taking Kincaid in the late first was a question dropped. And the answer is, yeah, they are. And it doesn't feel great, but this is where we are at. Um, this is that, yeah, this is this is where we're at, where Kincaid and Mayor are late first, kind of by default. And it just it doesn't feel great, but it's where we're at. So here, based on our rankings, we're gonna I'm gonna take Sam Laporta. I'm just double checking the downs gone. Yep. So we're gonna take Sam Laporta here. Everything we were saying before, um, the early draft capital, I think he's a fantastic player. Detroit being the landing spot, I would have really liked him in. Uh, it all adds up very well for Sam Laporta. Drafting a tight end here in the mid-second doesn't feel great. But again, if he, you wanted to grab a productive tight end, a fringe high-end tight end two even, it's going to cost you a late second anyway. So I'm kind of fine with the price on tight ends once we get to the mid-late. It doesn't feel as gross as taking mayor at 110 like we are fine with as well so with laporta here at 206 i'm okay with this because a lot of you guys are going to be able to get him in the late second i still think that's fine it just stings because it's not the value as we said his adp was in the fourth his mode was in the third now you're getting him in the second it doesn't feel good when you know you could have bought something at 20 cents uh then 
you're like, well, I'll, I'll buy in at 40 and now it's a dollar and it doesn't, it doesn't feel fantastic, but again, it's where we're at. Let's see. Next question we had here. JSN stock up or down. I think it stayed exactly the same. I think he is a, a mid to low wide receiver two right off the bat in terms of dynasty ranking. I don't know if his rookie production, again, I'll have a better idea once we get about one to two months from now, and when I really crank out these projections for the season, exactly how his short-term outlook goes. But with this team, I think it's so exciting with him and Tara Lockett can line up all over the place, and then you still have DK Metcalf next to maybe the Bengals. It's got to be one of the best trios there in the NFL for wide receiver rooms. I think Jasmine was a very exciting player. Tyler Lockett's getting older. He, again, he's a different player to Tyler Lockett. Of course, size is completely different. Speed is completely different in the way they use their speeds, but I really like this spot. I think him and DK, who, again, still needs uh, – we need to know exactly his long-term outlook. Geno Smith is their quarterback. It's exciting. It's an exciting spot here for Jackson and Juba. I like it. So I know with a lot of people, they've moved him down uh, versus Addison, especially, um, or sorry, Johnson, especially. And I just disagree. I'm, I'm very confident in Jackson and Juba as a player. And the landing spot hasn't shifted a lot of that for me. I'm still, believe there. I'm still a believer in the talent. Biggest post-draft ADP swings is the question. Um, well, I can pull up. Once I make this pick, I promise you, I will share. I will share that uh, pre-draft ADP with you, and we can talk about a couple of the players in particular. Um, yeah, I'll just share it here. So you see, base off. Let me pull up the other draft board. So right off the bat, some of the players here, I think Will Levis is a big follower. 108 is going kind of now early to mid-second. Uh, Zach Charbonnet here going from 110, kind of the most common player taken at 110, falls all the way down to the mid-second. Risers here are Kincaid and Mayer going from early to mid-second into the first round. Zach Evans, Sean Tucker going from mid to late seconds all the way down to the mid to late third. Kendrick Miller is one of the biggest risers simply because of the draft capital being the third off the board, going from two and nine to the early second. Um, past that, I think Boutes, he could still be going in that range, late second, early third. No one else is really significant. I think Rashi Rice in ADP is going to be one of the biggest risers, which I disagree with. I think Mims goes higher than that 301, but he was trending that way anyway. Um, and Roshan Johnson, I think he probably still goes around that 211. Taiji Spears should be going right around there. So those are your biggest movers, at least on that. So back on the clock here, Spears, Brown, Tillman. We had a little bit of a run here based off Rice Hyatt already off the board. I'm going to take, I think this is where, so Musgrave came off the board, Bigsby, Brown, Rice, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Wilson here, who is a player that we told. I told you I like the landing spot. I like the player, so I am curious how this is gonna work out for him. I'm gonna be curious how Arizona looks next year. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Wilson here. Kind of as I said, the mid third, late is fine. I would have liked him to take Musgrave or Tillman before him, but past that, I think here is really really shooting your shot. I think Keyshawn Butte would have been a fine pick there as well. Um, just upside, even Zach Evans could be a good upside pick. If you're just taking bigger swings here, I think Tucker Craft is fine there too. As we were saying, we don't necessarily know when a team double taps tight end in the way that Green Bay did with Musgrave and Tucker Craft, exactly how they are going to utilize them, how they're going to go out, who's going to primarily catch passes, and who is going to um, fall off and be more the blocker here. So we will we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see where they go, how they're used. Reading a question here. So with we got question is, is Charbonnet's value essentially as a handcuff to KW3? Yes. Yes. That is how I'm leaning. I think that Zach Charbonnet is primarily, by all intents and purposes, a handcuffed to Kenneth Walker. I think he'll have a little role, maybe a 30, 40% of the snaps, uh, maybe steal some touchdowns, but he's going to be really, really tough to start um, on a consistent, on a consistent basis um, while Kenneth Walker is healthy. And 
It's really tough. It's a really tough pill to swallow. You're taking a player as contingent value here in the early third round, and that's tough. I guess that Charbonnet in his exact situation was a late second. I'd be a little more into it. But overall, I'm so underwhelmed by that landing spot for him. It's really tough. Really tough pill to swallow. Um, but yeah, without an injury to Kenneth Walker, I don't think we are going to get a whole lot out of him. We're rounding out the fourth here. Sets and Bennett coming off the board. Again, to the guy who dipped out. Thank you to the other 11 who not only hopped in on an absolute last minute since basically I started the stream. We dropped the link. You guys all jumped in, but all being here too and making picks. And the board looks really good. Nothing really sticks out to me as a, a significant reach. Of course, you know, our members from Discord doing a great job here. I think this is how you can expect a lot of your rookie drafts to go. If you see big things differing from this, I think it's going to be off consensus. Maybe the biggest reach here, Jonathan Mingo. But again, that was with the auto, and his ADP is probably sky high. A lot of the casual think are just going to see the draft guy, which is fine. It's fine. He's built well. Big slot. Ole Miss proven track record. He's a big boy. Uh, he's on a team where he can have an immediate role. I, you really can't hate it. That's a pick that could turn out great. It's just pricey for me for a player who, if you looked a week ago, his ADP was 999 on Sleeper. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, his ADP was in the fourth, fifth round for us. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy. So him going 201, what has changed as far as the player? Right, All the reports about him potentially going higher in the draft than we anticipated were there. They came to fruition. There is merit to it, of course. But the player hasn't significantly changed. We got Brian Ford here saying unpopular opinion. Sharp pick to Seattle worse for K3 than him. You know what? I think it's bad for both of them. I like if you want to say it's worse for one or the other, I think I tend to always lean it's worse for the back who had the highest entry cost, right? With Charbonnet, yeah, a, a early second, right? If an early second doesn't hit, it's not the end of the world. Kenneth Walker, which we had a clip back. If you want to go to our clips catalog, which is in the description, you can find our last ticket and Kenneth Walker and the whole bit for Kenneth Walker was that he was being priced at his ceiling. I think even we were saying they were going to bring in another back. It's going to take a little bit of the work, but what he offers as a player is a player could be somewhere between RB six and 14 every year. But with dynasty, when you're already drafting him as RB four or five, he's going in the second round. He has to perform at that ceiling. And that's a big bet to make on Kenneth Walker. Uh, especially when this could always happen where they took a back in the second round. We joked about it, uh, but it came, it happened and it happened to be Charbonnet. A lot of people's RB three, which was crushing for them. I'm going to be very curious to see how Twitter uh, Charbonnet stands in Twitter. Uh, Walker stands, trying to pin this one as good for their player, but it's, it wasn't ideal. Uh, I don't think it helps either of them. So saying it hurts one more than the other. Yeah, Charbonnet has contingent value. I think you get a maybe you get a first out of him if there's an injury to Kenneth Walker. You probably do, but spending a second on a cuff as your entry cost ugh, feels disgusting. I'm gonna pick here before I end up having to auto. <laughs> um, what's it we got? I think Hole Mowry Dell. Yeah, we're gonna go with Tank Dell here as the pick. Uh, Banaconda. Yeah, off the board. So, oh boy. Uh uh. Yep, that's right. I have. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got a little caught up talking here. I just drew a blank. Who do we say we we're going to go for Tank Dell? So, that is where we're going to pick. That's it. He's saying that's the thing. He's not just contingent, not just a cuff. I disagree. Like our definition here for today's game with cuffs is players who don't get 50% of the snaps. And he's not, he's simply not like you look at a player. Khalil Herbert last year was very talented set in the thirties, 30%. And that was with David Montgomery. Now uh, you could, you could argue, and I think it's a lot of merit. Jack Charbonnet is a better player than Khalil Herbert was. Absolutely. I don't think that's a far fetched take there at all, but Kenneth Walker is significantly better and offers a lot more than David Montgomery did. So it's a give and a take. I really don't know if Charbonnet is going to play more than 30, 40% of the snaps. I, I don't think I'm going to project him higher than 40. And without getting 40, that you're not flexing that. Like that's maybe RB3. You're, you're not flexing that even. So, right, he's he's not just a cuff. I tend to I tend to disagree. It's a hard it's a hard play. It's a floor play. It's not one like I don't personally like starting RB3s in my flex spot. I'm gonna 
take the upside on wide receivers where there's more week-to-week variance where a player could give me a wide receiver to finish, give me a better ceiling out of my flex. I like my running backs and my early wide receivers as my floor plays in my lineup. I don't know if I like that a whole ton. Again, of course, you said not just contingent. I think he's yes and no. I don't think it's as exciting as what the connotation of this message I think is insinuating. So that's just where I land person. I could be incorrect. I think Charbonnet is a really tough one. This is going to be a whole offseason conversation, but that's where I lean right now, that this is pretty bad for Zach Charbonnet's dynasty value. We got our final pick here. And then I will wrap this thing up. We'll see where he goes. We got Tower Scott, Cincinnati. Good speed. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. This was a long one. Hopefully the rankings were useful. You can find all things JWB at JWB underscore FF. I'm at the FF Buffalo. All the stuff I was saying with the pre-draft ADP is free on our Patreon. A lot of it is in the description as well. We're going to have Dynasty Startups coming out. Now we have our rookie drafts for all of the JWB hosted leagues is next Monday. So once those kicks start, which will probably be done by Wednesday, that is when we're going to start filling and drafting for these dynasty startups. So take a look out for that. Go jump in the discord. You can find the secret code for once those uh, all start to jump off in the description of this video as well. And until next time. 